The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Do you know what's coming and are you ready for it? Now, I know that with all of the different events going on in our world, whether you think about you know, contagious diseases that spread and shut down the world for a significant period of time or wars and rumors of war, your mind kind of can't help but run and begin to think about like, what's coming? What's happening? Are we getting into the end times? And so do you know what's coming and are you ready for it? Uh, My family, we have an app on all of the smartphones in our home And parents, by the way, really good tool, Life360. This isn't a paid plug, but it's a useful tool. Uh, It kind of keeps us from having to like text our kids like, hey, are you on your way home? Because we can just open the app and check. We know kind of, we have an idea, idea of where they're at. Now it's also super helpful for dads. Because here's the thing, right? Like every once in a while, like Laura's going out, she's got to run some errands. Or, you know, maybe she's out with one of her friends in the evening and I'm home with the kids and I do what every other dad does. Like Laura, Laura gives us a list of like, here's the things that have to happen while I'm gone. Here's the chores that have got to be done. And like mommy drives away and I'm like, yeah, it's playtime. And so like the other day, I'm like, you know what we haven't done in a while? We haven't had a campfire. And so like I'm outside and I start the campfire and we're making s'mores, right? And then it dawns on me. Uh-oh, wait, when's Laura coming? So what I do is I open up the app and I'm like, where is she at? And like, it says she's still at the same location since this time. And I'm like, all right, we're good, we're good. And so we just keep doing our thing. And then, you know, like, and then uh, I check it. I'm like, oh no. Mommy's on her way home, hurry, right? And then like, there's no way I'm the only dad that's ever done this. Really? Some of y'all are like judging me right now. You're looking at me, shaking your head. Hey, those of you online, I mean, this is why you're online because you're like, your wife is on her way home. You're like, I stay home from church to get all the chores done. I'm gonna watch church online. All right, no, I'm kidding. Um, so, you know, like we're running around. We're trying to put the cushions back on the couch. We're trying to clean up the floor, clean up all the messes that the kids made. And then I gotta run and get their teeth brushed, get them into bed, right? And, and then I, we have this other, and then there's like an, an alert. So when her phone gets within a quarter mile of the house, there's a little alert. Laura arrived home. Now, she's not home yet, but there's a little notification that she's about to arrive home. And then it's all panic, right? Because I know that, like, she's going to be in the door in just a moment. So I'm like, boys, act like you're asleep. (laughs) Don't you dare make a noise. Get get daddy in trouble, right? And um, so if... If you've done what you're supposed to do, I'm not talking to husbands here, I'm talking to the kids, right? Like, if they did what they were supposed to do, there's some excitement, right? Like, we did our chores, because now, now like, right, the same is true when I'm on my way home. And, like, sometimes the boys, like, if I said, like, hey, when I get home, I expect this, right? And if they did it, here's what I get. My boys, 
like doing what they were supposed to do, they see me and they're like, daddy. And they come running like it's the greatest moment of their life, right? Like I hug them and, and they're like, daddy, you know what I did? I did what you told me to do. And, uh, and there's some excitement. And if they didn't, they're like hiding behind the couch, <laughs> right? Because they knew this is what I told them they were gonna do and they know it's gonna happen if they didn't. And so we find ourselves in one of two spots often. You're either excited for what's coming or you're frightened and hiding from what's coming. And if you evaluate your heart right now, do you spend more time excited about what's coming or do you spend more time frightened and hiding from what's coming? And that gives you a good idea of how you're doing in preparation for what's coming. Some of y'all, you knew the term was gonna come, you just didn't know it was gonna feel like that, right? Like, oh. All right, so I have good news and bad news for you. Um, let, let's start with just the truth. The end of the world as we know it is coming. The world as we know it is running out of time. It's like on a clock and the clock is running out. Now we don't know how soon it's gonna run out, but we just know that like the clock is winding down. The bad news is we might've missed it. You're, it's a joke, <laughs> laugh. We might've missed it. Uh, you know, obviously it's a joke. <laughs> Y'all didn't think the whole world ended and we're still here. Um, no, like the joke is like the Mayans said it was gonna happen on May 21st, 2012. And so obviously the Mayans were right and we missed the whole thing. Um, no, that, that's the bad news. The good news is the clock is running out, which means I guess like there's this sense of like the end of the day is coming. Like I don't have to live in the workday forever. It, at some point, this, the, we're gonna run out of time. The question is, what's coming and are, are we ready for it? And, and Jesus gives us this idea, this indication that before the world runs out of time, he's gonna come back. He's gonna arrive to take us Home. In fact, let me read it to you. It, it's the words and teachings of Jesus recorded by the author Matthew. Matthew writes them out as an account of Jesus' life teachings, death and resurrection. But Matthew is an eyewitness to this teaching. And, and what you notice here, kind of where it's placed in the story of Jesus, is he has predicted his death. He says, I'm, I'm about to die. I'm gonna be put to death. And so these are his last teachings before he dies. And he, he talks a lot about the end times, about the end of the world, about him coming soon. And so there's this really neat kind of picture of before he dies, he gives instruction on how to live before the end of the world. And then Jesus is gonna be crucified. And so here we are, we're gonna jump into some of that teaching. We're going to Matthew chapter 24, where he says this, but about the day and the, or the hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And it, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So what he's saying is, before, before the world ends, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna die, I'm gonna rise from the dead, and then I'm gonna ascend to heaven, but then a day is gonna come when I'm gonna return, and I'm gonna come back before this whole thing comes to an end. So there, like, there's this little like notification just a little prompt, like you can kind of, he's kind of like saying like, there's gonna be like this moment 
when like Jesus arrives. And, uh, but there's a couple things about it that you need to know because maybe you've heard about this. Maybe you're confused about it. Uh, there's a few things about it that are important that you know. He says, I'm coming again, but you're not gonna know the day or the hour. You're also not gonna really know the day or the hour when the earth as we know it is gonna come to an end. Now, this is important because what he's saying is that this is, this is revelation from God that is withheld from us. And it's intentionally withheld because God does not want us to spend our time trying to figure out the precise moments of Jesus' return. And so you and I are um, spiritually bound, morally bound, not to spend our time trying to figure it out. Now, some of you have. Some of you have tried to like try to figure out, well, when is it exactly going to be? And, and there's, so there's this literally a moral obligation to not fixate and not get caught up and not get distracted by this day, this hour, this moment when Jesus returns. And so whether it is a religious prediction or a scientific or political prediction, if someone is telling you the moment when this whole thing is gonna run, come to an end, they're wrong. They're lying. It's a false prediction because they don't know. And so here's what I'm offering you. Uh, bet them. See if they really mean it. Now you might say, wait, Patrick, you're not allowed to bet. Look, if you know you're right and you know you're gonna win, it's not betting, all right? So, here, <laughs> So they say, I know that the, the like, if, if we continue on this course, the whole world's gonna end on this day. Okay, I'll bet you that it won't. Here's why, because here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna collect on your bet the day after. So you're a guaranteed win, right? If, if you're right and the world doesn't end, you collect the day after. If they're right, you're all right. <laughs> okay, so sure thing, all right? But here's the point. Um, you're morally bound not to waste time trying to figure this one out. But there will be, there will be indicators. The, there's another key to this, what Jesus said, is that it'll be like the days of Noah. Where people will be going on living as normal. So it, what it's important for you to recognize is that when Jesus comes back, um, life is gonna be going on relative, in a relatively normal way. Normal enough that most people won't be preparing for it. And that's an important thought because, you know, you might be thinking the whole world as we know it is gonna be dramatically different. No, it's not. It's gonna be relatively ordinary and most people won't be paying attention. Now, what is gonna happen? Well, here we go. Um, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left, meaning they're gonna be working in the field uh, or maybe hunting, you know, maybe out hiking. Uh, but one's going to be taken, one's going to still be hiking. Uh, two women will be grinding wheat with the, a hand mill. One will be taken on the other left. And so there's going to be kind of this like, everything is going on normally, and then phew, one's taken. Jesus will come again, and there will be this moment where he's going to meet those who love him in the air. I mean, this is like something you, you see in a movie. Sounds a little crazy. All right, so I want to give you a little bit of background, and then I want, so here it is, right? In case some of you are a little bit curious, like, this sounds strange. Kind of a weird thing to hear in church. So here, here's a, a backdrop to this. Maybe you struggle with the Bible's and Jesus' ability to predict these kind of things. Jesus predicted his own death. 
with tremendous specificity. He said when he was gonna die, how he was gonna die, and who was gonna put him to death, and why. And it happened precisely as he said. And anybody who predicts their death with that level of specificity, uh, what they said before they died is gonna get some attention. Would you agree with it? Like think like political conspiracy stuff, right? Somebody says, they're gonna kill me for this reason. And then they leave like this written manifesto. Like those things get published or they get covered up, right? Like, and because people wonder like, wait, wait, why did they say they were gonna die this way and for these reasons? And then it happened and we wanna read about it and hear about it. But Jesus not only predicted his death, he predicted his resurrection. Then he rises from the dead. And so he has my attention when he says, I'm gonna come again. Because he's got a really good track record. And so if we jump ahead to the letter to the church in Thessalonica, uh, it's the author Paul is writing specifically about this idea of Jesus returning. And so he says this, for we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And we're going to continue to read. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Did you notice that? As he lands this explanation, he goes, you don't want to know why I'm telling you this? So you can kind of bump each other and be like, you should be encouraged. Like, mommy's almost home. Like, like daddy's almost home. Like, we're going on vacation. That's the excitement. It's like there's this enthusiastic waiting and so the point, right, the application is how does this apply to your life is when you think about the end times, when you think about the end of the world, when you think about Jesus coming again soon, you and I should be ready and we should be encouraged. This should be a really encouraging day for those of you that believe in Jesus by faith. And if not... It's a warning. It's a warning because if your house isn't in order and you're not excited about mommy and daddy arriving home, if you're not ready for them to arrive home, then you need to get your house in order. And is this about getting work done? Is this about doing your chores? No, there's only really one chore you need to get done before Jesus returns. And it's this, imagine you're on a ship and you know the ship is sinking. What's the one thing you've got to do? You got to find your life vest and get it on, right? If you're on the plane and you know the plane is going down, like if you're like anything like me, when they're going through that instruction thing, you're on your phone because you're trying to text your family right before you take off. You're like, hey, heads up, we're getting ready to take off. Like you're not paying attention to seatbelt and mask warning, and I mean, maybe some of you are. You're a little over the top, but you know, if you've flown more than one time, you're like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'll figure it out when it happens. Some of you, that's what you thought. You're like, I'll figure it out when it happens, except you won't, because when it happens, it's done. All right, so what do you do? If you're on the plane, you better locate your parachute. You better hold on to it for dear life. 
And so Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Let me read a little bit to you. He goes like this. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on the day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect it. He's not saying that Jesus is gonna break in like a thief. He's saying that he's coming with the surprise of a thief, right? Like like the, he could have used an illustration like, the, the plane crashing or the boat sinking, but he wanted to kind of get, like, you need to be ready for this moment. And so what does it mean to be ready for Jesus' return? It, it means, what's the one thing you can do? Believe in Jesus by faith. Trust him as your Lord and Savior. If you're on, on the ship, he's the life vest. If you're on the plane, he's the parachute. You put him on and in your life so you're ready for what's coming soon. And so what does that mean to put, to put on the life vest or on the parachute of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What did Jesus do? Jesus came because he knew that every one of us were headed toward a crash, not just on this planet, right? Not just the world as we know it is going to crash and burn, but every one of our lives is headed toward an impending crash of destruction. Why? Because there is this sin instinct in every one of us to reject God and do what we want. And that rejection of God and doing what we want is a life of ruin headed toward a forever far from God. And so every one of our lives is a shipwreck. Every one of our lives is an impending plane wreck. Now, I'm not like saying that to insult you. I'm saying that every one of us, like me too, right? Like all of us are living our lives in such a way that we are far from God and that leads to a forever wreck. So God stepped in to rescue us from this ruin by becoming our salvation so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven. How? Because he died on the cross to, obs- to take on our sin punishment. But Jesus, now he died, he rose from the dead, and in his resurrection, what we celebrated at Easter, he gave us victory over sin and victory over death. Because we know that life doesn't end in death, death ends in forever life. And so when you believe in Jesus by faith, it's like having the parachute on of, uh, of salvation that guards you from the impending crash in the world around you. And so my, my challenge to you is, are you ready Like, are you scared and frightened and hiding from what's coming? Or can you look at it with encouragement because you know that you're ready? And if you're not ready right now, can I encourage you to take that step of faith? Not in fear, but in love and in gratitude for what God's done for you. That he says, I love you so much that I gave my life to give you life. And you're simply receiving that right now by faith for anyone who you don't feel ready You're not ready for Jesus to return or you're not ready to meet God at the end of your life. Can I encourage you, get ready. Simply believe in Jesus by faith. And uh, if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? We'd love to cheer you on. We'd love to celebrate with you. Um, And so if if you're making that decision to say yes to Jesus, would you let us know by texting the name Jesus, whether you're joining us online or you're right here in person, text the name Jesus to 81411 and one of our pastors will quickly follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey of relationship 
with God. But this idea of being ready is not only just a moment where you make a decision to believe in Jesus by faith, where you put on the life vest or you put on the parachute of God's salvation. In fact, a key point that Jesus is making is that you need to be ready and waiting. Jesus is coming soon. Like mommy's coming home. And when she gets home, there's some expectations of what it's going to be like when she gets there. Are you ready and are you waiting? And as a result, there's some excitement and anticipation. Or if you're not ready and waiting, there's some fear and trepidation. Because you also know what's going to come. And so what does that mean to be ready and waiting? Well, let me jump back in to a few of the verses I already read to you. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, here's kind of what you can expect that moment to be like. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and then like and then we'll be taken up to meet him in the air and the word the, the idea there is you know most often God speaks softly in your life he whispers he he um he does gentle things in your life but in this moment Oh man, heaven is going to thunder and there's gonna be a roar from the clouds and God himself is gonna give a victorious shout. You're gonna hear God in a way you've never heard him before because he has all of history has been waiting for this moment for God to meet his bride, the one that he's been preparing. Like he's been preparing you to meet him. And this moment is a moment of victory and triumph. And it's, I, I used to play the trumpet when I was younger and I liked it because I could annoy my brothers and I would pretty much find some satisfaction in just making a loud dying cow sound. And just imagine it. And I could blast that sound about as loud as possible and make the windows in our house shake. But um, this is a little bit better than that. God is gonna give this blast shout of like, I'm home. I'm coming back. And like, nobody's gonna miss this moment. And then he says, we're gonna be caught up with him. This is a similar word to like being snatched or seized up, like meaning uh, you're just gonna be taken, which is pretty awesome. Like if you're here in that moment, I don't think it's gonna be a frightening moment. I think it's gonna be exciting. Now, some of, like, some of you are like, well, when is this gonna happen? as far as in the course of history. So there's different theories, and this is not a theology class, so I'm gonna move pretty quickly, but this teaching says that Jesus is gonna return. There's gonna be this rapture. And then there's another teaching that God is gonna pour out his wrath against all evil on the planet because there needs to be a judgment there's a, a criminal sentence against sin. And so God's gonna pour out judgment. In the, in the Bible, that, that's called the day of God's wrath or the day of judgment. Uh, in the book of Revelation, it's referred to as the great tribulation. And it's gonna be a season of judgment specifically against evil from God. And so some people have asked, well, will we be taken before that season happens? And so if that season's called the great, the great Tribulation, there are theories that uh, the rapture will be pre-tribulation, 
Others think that it's going to be happened in the middle of it. It's called mid-tribulation. Others uh, believe in a post-tribulation, meaning will be taken after that season of judgment and suffering. And then some... Uh, speculate, they call it pan-tribulation, which is, we don't know, it'll all pan out. Um, I, I, I tend to land, and so if you're wondering where I personally land, I tend to land on a pre-tribulation mindset, because in my understanding of the way God has judged evil throughout history, he always seems to remove the righteous before he judges the wicked. And so it makes sense to me that God would remove his people before he judges evil. However, it's not gonna quite be so clean because Jesus said that as we approach the end times, there's gonna be little notifications popping up on your phone. Like, Jesus is coming soon. Bad things are gonna begin to happen. Persecutions and climate disasters and major national, natural disasters and wars and rumors of war and diseases and plagues. Right, like, what those are is they're little notifications going, I'm coming soon. But you don't know when I'm coming, so be ready. Do you get it? That's the whole point. All of that to say, be ready. What does it mean to be ready? Is my heart ready? Am I, have I spent time in relationship with God? Have I repented of my sin? Am I living a life fully trusting God? Now, what is Jesus doing while we're getting ready here what is Jesus up to? In, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 2, Jesus is encouraging his closest friends and followers, and he says this, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? You know how cool that is? Jesus goes like this, look. In heaven, there's mansions, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So God created the whole cosmos in six days. And the rest of the history that we're living in, you know what he's been doing? Getting heaven ready for us. Imagine if he could do all of this in six days, imagine what heaven must be like. That's pretty awesome. So what I think is there's a lot of people that are not ready and waiting because they think what they have here is better. I used to think like that. I dated Laura for five and a half years. And we loved Jesus, and so we dated the right way, like we were pure, which means we were virgins before we got married, but we dated for five and a half years. None of you think that's, all right. So here was my thought. Jesus, can you just wait to come back until after my wedding night? Like, like I'm excited about you coming, but like just, just wait. Just wait until May 30th. <laughs> All right. And some of you have lived your life like this. Like, God, yeah, I know you're coming, but can you wait for this? Can you wait for that? Because you have this thought that like what we have here is better. It's not better. Everything God is preparing in heaven is better. What God has waiting for you is better than anything you can get in this life. And so you're waiting for his return. And so what are you doing while you wait? I thought you would never ask. Work while you wait. That means the first thing you do is don't pull a dad moment and just say, let's play. Let's just have a campfire, right? Like, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to work while you wait. Get the chores done first, and then you can enjoy the rest of the night, and then you don't have to panic when there's a notification. You see? 
Do the chores first. Get things in order first, right? And so Jesus tells a story literally right there. He goes, okay, so let me illustrate this for you. There was this employer who chose his top three workers, and he said, hey, before I go on this long business trip, and I don't know when I'm going to get back, you don't know when I'm going to get back either, um, I'm going to entrust you with my resources. And so he gives them what he calls talents, or what in ancient times was called a talent, which was a substantive amount of money. Each one was worth about $1.2 million in modern terms. Well, today with inflation, let's say $1.5 million. Um, and so he gives the first guy five talents, or I, don't, I can't even do the math, $7.5 million. Um, is that right? I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, he gives him five talents. He gives the next guy two talents. So let's say $3 million. He gives the next guy one talent or 1.5 million, meaning they were all a lot of money. And then uh, he leaves. And the story says that at a time when they were not expecting, the employer comes back and calls them in to give an account. And the first guy who was given five talents brings in five more, or like, let's say like $15 million. Here's what I've done with what you trusted me. And then the next guy comes in who had been given two talents or, you know, let's say three million. And he says, here you go. Here's two more talents, right? So now he hands them like $6 million. And then the next guy comes in and he brings the one talent back. Here's your talent back. And the, um, the employer says to the first two, and I'll, we'll put it up on the screen, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. The reward for hard work is more work. <laughs> um, or the reward for good work is even better work. But then he says this, come and share in your master's happiness. We should be good, faithful servants. But then to the third, who brings him the one, he says, you wicked, lazy servant. He says, throw him out of here to a place of eternal ruin. Why? Because he wasted his waiting. He wasn't living ready and he wasn't working ready. And so our responsibility is to work while we wait. My challenge to you is work you're waiting. Don't waste your waiting. What's the difference? Very specifically, am I working for the king? Is it his work that I'm doing versus my own work, right? The contrast, right? All three were probably busy during all of that time, but two of them were specifically working for the return of their employer. One was working for himself. One had his own agenda while the other two were working their boss's agenda. And so the challenge for each one of us is, am I working for myself and what I want and what I can get out of this season? Or am I working my waiting for God himself? Am I doing what matters forever or am I only living for this moment? If I'm only living for this moment, then I don't fully understand how much God loves me, how much God is for me, and how much God wants to spend forever with me. Why do we work our waiting? Because you and I have the greatest opportunity that exists in all of history. You can live your life for what matters forever. You can live for eternity. You can do things that will last in heaven. 
And so you and I have to reevaluate our priorities and really, really reevaluate our life work schedule so that we focus on doing what matters for heaven and what matters for God rather than what only matters for me. Are you working your waiting? Or are you wasting your waiting? And so with that, I just want to give you that challenge of, are you ready? Are you encouraged? And are you working while you wait? Let me take a moment. I want to pray over you. And really what I'm hoping that you'll do is this is a moment of reflection and surrender of God. I I want to make sure my heart's ready. I don't want anything in between me and you. But I also don't want to be busy doing my own thing. I want to be busy doing a God thing while I'm waiting. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a a leader in the church to matter for eternity. You can turn your your job, your work, your home efforts into something that matters forever. And so how are you working your waiting? We pray over you. Heavenly Father, we, we are excited for your return. We come in anticipation of the soon return of Jesus because no matter what we see going on on the news, no matter what we hear happening around us, we know that we don't have to live in fear because you want to meet us in the air. And so God, we're excited that we don't have to spend forever here, but we get to spend eternity with you in paradise. So God, in the meantime, we want to give you the most return when you return. We want to give you the best return on your investment when you return. We want to work while we wait. And so God, would you reveal to each one of us the unique ways that we can work our waiting and we can be waiting and ready when you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.